Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Plenty of stuff happening in the NFL. Draft 10 days away. Booyah. Off-season workouts technically begin okay. today, unless they don't. Right. Because we're now up to 19 teams, maybe 19 with an asterisk, because there was a report that Texans players were going to not be at the voluntary off-season workouts, but there hasn't been that same statement we've seen from 19 other teams all issued through the NFLPA as to whether and to what extent their guys are going to be there. And some of them, Chris, like the Eagles, they make it clear none of our guys are going to be there. Others say many won't be there. Roster bonus, not roster bonus. I always say roster instead of workout. Workout bonus, a factor, because you've got to be there. You've got to physically be there in phase one and two and three, all three phases, at least 90% of the time it typically is to get your payment. The virtual participation available for your per diem, which is $275, you can go to the meetings virtually, but you got to be in the building to work out to get your workout bonus, at least the 90% of the total workouts. So look, this continues to be an issue between the league and the union. I continue to believe it's not about the pandemic. I think it's about guys being upset about the last CBA, guys being upset about 17 games, veteran players not wanting to show up at all. Someone explained to me over the weekend, you got plenty of guys now who have their own personal workout routines that they think are superior to what the strength and conditioning coaches meet out when they show up for the off-season workouts, and they'd rather do it themselves. Odell Beckham Jr. has been doing that his whole career. He's got his own thing that he does. So, you know, whatever it is, however it is, a lot of these guys just don't want to be there, and they're not going to be there, uh, especially if they don't feel a compulsion because of a workout bonus or their roster spots in some sort of jeopardy. No, I, I mean, yes, I mean, to all of that, and again, I mean, is it a necessity that they have to be there? No, it's not. It, it's definitely not. 
And, you know, are there, of course, yeah, the, the day and age we're in right now, 2020 with or 2021 with all the personal trainers and, of course, sports science being where it's at. I mean, it's not the necessity to have to be at the facility to grind it out every day like it used to be. But I, th- I still think that's like, again, we talked about it. It's not the workouts I'm necessarily all that worried about. It's the on-the-field football stuff. And that's the big thing. And listen, the other thing, too, with all of this, hey, it's great. Like, yeah, I the Odell Beckham Juniors of the world, the Tom Brady's of the world, those guys, they're going to work. I'm, I'm not, you're not worried about them. You're not. But there are other guys, of course, that you do have to worry about on an NFL roster. I mean, again, this is, you know, uh, to me, it's not the best avenue for the players as a whole. I, I don't. And I think you're right. I think the CBA, the 17-game year, the fact that the season went on last year, and hey, yeah, it was a success. Of course it was. We watched. It was fun. There was a Super Bowl, all that. I think players are looking at it like, you know, okay, we made it done. We got it done. No, no big deal. And that's kind of their mindset here. And, uh, yeah, you might get away with it for a certain time, but I don't know if that's going to help, you know, all the players out in the NFLPA. That's for sure. And to the extent that the union is trying to send a message to the owners, the reality is, and I've heard this from multiple folks over the past few days, the owners don't care. You know why they don't care, Chris? It's costing them no money. Yeah. They will still have a team come September. There will be 53 players. 46 in uniform. They will go play their games. It's up to the coach to make sure that the best complement of players is on the field. It's a thing that that rankles the coaches because it makes it harder for them to teach if the players aren't there. But there's a there's a compromise lurking, and the Packers have struck a tone that if other teams would do this, it possibly could solve it one team at a time. I think the Ravens also have offered this to the players. Basically, it's this. For phase one, As long as you participate in the virtual meetings and have your own workout plan, you get credit toward your workout bonus. You don't have to work out in the facility during the four weeks of phase one. Yeah, okay. For that four weeks, you're, you're good to go wherever you are. We need you here for phase two. We need you here for phase three to get your workout bonus. But for your workout bonus credit, and the Packers have $5 million in player workout bonuses, so this is a big issue for them, they've made it clear to their players, you can stay where you are, for the first four weeks, participate in the meetings, get in your workout. It's all voluntary. And if you get injured, you're you're on your own. But but we will treat you working out on your own as credit towards your workout bonus. I think that will go a long way toward getting guys, especially guys with workout bonuses, to find a way to thread that needle where they'll show up for phase two and phase three for the on-field stuff and they'll stay home for the first four and do what they need to do to get themselves in shape. More teams should consider that that could help kind of break this logjam. I, th- I think that would be great. I think that would benefit all. I mean, I really do. I think that benefits organizations. It benefits the coaches. I think ultimately it benefits the players too. Yeah, okay, you get a few, a little extra time to go about it, you know, in the process, your own speed and pace. Yeah, I got to be there for the meetings, but the workouts are going to be on you, you know. But then, yeah, you're going to come there and you're going to have to – be on the field a little bit. And, of course, we're going to need to evaluate what you've been like, you know, working out. Are you in shape? Are you ready to go and do those type of things? You know, Green Bay has always been a team that's had a part of these things a part of their their contracts because they want players to be there in the offseason. Green Bay is one of those teams where, like, yeah, a lot of the players, they're there during the season and they live somewhere else in the offseason. So this gets everybody back in the building doing that type of stuff. 
But yeah, I would think this is a compromise that could be made, Mike. I mean, uh, again, I mean, I guess I'm just still a little shocked that the players, you know, want to be away so aggressively so long uh, and not be on the field a little bit more for the OTAs and things like that. Well, and and you've said this in the past as it relates to the quality of the rehab services that a team has available to players, the difference in the training. And I don't right. want to speak ill of any yeah. of the NFL training staff, but you've pointed out a lot of these guys yeah. get better stuff on their own. Right. St- stuff that's fully permissible within the realms of the PED policy, but they have better techniques, better strategies, better ways to address their physical problems on their own. So it would stand to reason that some of them are going to believe they've got better ways to get in shape, stay in shape, be in the shape they want to be in doing their own thing, not whatever it is the strength and conditioning coach is thrown together for everyone. I don't right. know how personalized those workout plans are, no. but obviously when a guy goes and gets one on his own, it is intensely individualized to his needs, his desires, his objectives. Yeah, no, it is. And, and listen, it's, it's a positive thing. You know, it, it is for, from that tempo as a, as like a NFL football player. When you do train with your team, yeah, of course, it, it's ninety guys there. the The strength and conditioning coach he can't give ninety different workouts, so you're kind of lumped together with guys that have similar size, body mass, all those type of things. Yeah, O linemen and D linemen do a lot of the same exercises. You know, quarterbacks will kind of be placed together at times with wide receivers and running backs and all of that type of stuff. So, yeah, we're not exactly all the same type of athletes. You know, so, yes, that's why a lot of football players, they like their own trainer and, you know, their own physical rehab stuff because it's more to them. And, yes, the point still, you know, NFL, you know, rehab and all that is still behind, you know, the eight ball as far as technology and all that. To me, again... I'm not necessarily so worried about the workouts themselves, even though, again, I do worry about that. I'm not worried about the NFL superstars and the guys that are great players working out. But, like, the reason there are conditioning tests are because players have shown through the years that if you give them too much time off, they don't come back in condition, right? Because no one was there to put the hot poker on their butt to go, like, let's go. We got to work. We got to do that. You know, so – there's that faction in the league you worry about, but ultimately it is the on-the-field work that's the most important. And I think it's the most important for the player, the team, the coaches, all of that, but most importantly the player and those movements and techniques and doing that, you know, and especially the young guys like we've talked about, Mike. And that to me is where, you know, if I'm a player, there's no way you're keeping me off the field for OTAs and some of that stuff. And that's where it's going to be, I think, challenging to define victory and defeat as it relates to this effort by the union. The union quite possibly will declare victory if players stay away from phase one. And then when phase two and phase three roll around after the rookie minicamp, which is going to coincide with phase two, where you got 50 guys in the building, draft picks, undrafted free agents, tryout players, eligible Second and third year players, for example, a Jordan Love in Green Bay will be eligible to participate in the rookie minicamp and get some reps that way. He's a guy who didn't get many reps at all last year. Once you see guys showing up for on-field work, I could see the players showing up and and saying, we won because for four weeks, 
of the offseason workout program, we held together, we stayed away, we boycotted this, we worked out on our own, and we're here for the things we need to be here for to help ourselves continue our preparation for the season, to learn the playbook, etc. That could be a way that the union tries to thread the needle to say we stood up to the man and we won, and now the game's over because for these OTAs, we were always going to be here for those. Now, I, I, now that's a little disingenuous yeah. because they supposedly have concerns about being in the facility. So those concerns presumably would still exist for phase two and three, but I, they, they really aren't. This whole pandemic thing is a pretext. This is a power play by the union. The pandemic is a convenient excuse to get the public on their side. It seems the pandemic that way. is a, It's a lie. The idea that they don't want to be there because of the pandemic is a flat-out lie. They don't care about the pandemic, and if you do, go get vaccinated. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's how you show that you care about the pandemic. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I don't think that's really the reason either. I mean, the NFL, I think, made it pretty clear last week. You made it pretty clear towards the end of last week about the protocols and testing that was still going to be in place you know, for the player. So, uh, yeah, while the environment out there is not perfect yet, it's still plenty safe. And, you know, also, yeah, I'm, I'm with you in the fact that I think, you know, again, the majority of these players are going to be go training and doing things and putting themselves in way more dangerous, you know, situations than they would be if they were going to a facility and being tested on a daily basis anyways. You know, I don't think it's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to go to the facility. I'm going to work out on my own and make sure I, you know, quarantine and stay, don't go near anybody during my workouts here during this whole time period. There's no way that's going to happen. Guys are going to work out together and not be wearing masks and be around each other and not even really be caring about the pandemic when it comes to working out. So, yeah, I think that's a total BS excuse from the NFLPA right now. One last point, and then we'll take a break. I can't help but wonder whether some coaches will take a be careful what you wish for approach to some of the veteran players that they believe don't want to be there and maybe spend a little extra time scrutinizing the younger guys, mm -hmm. a little more time developing a younger guy, a little more time making that leap of faith yeah. that we can keep the guy who's making 700000 and dump the guy who's due to make $7 million. I think that's the risk here, that you piss the coach off. Sure. And even though it's all voluntary, it's all voluntary, they can't do or say anything to suggest it's not. Well, when it comes time to pick who's on the final roster, that's when they get their revenge, even if it's served a little bit cold. I, I, I don't disagree with you there. I don't. You know, yeah, the economics, that says something about it, certainly. And will that motivate – coaches to close maybe the talent gap or the knowledge gap for that guy like you're talking about who is making $800,000 a year, you know, to motivate him to get that guy to compete with the guy who's making, you know, five or $6 million a year and maybe take his spot. Yeah. I think there's going to be some of that. It is going to piss coaches off. You know, coaches, you've been around them enough. They're old school. That's the way they think. Oh, you don't want to be here. All right, well, he must not love football that way. They're going to have that thought. That's the way they think. You know, they're not the same. You know, they're a little psycho that way. So I, I do. I think it will hurt some of these veteran players uh, that stay away in certain situations. I just had a vision of your guy, Johnny Gruden, walking into the locker room and no one there. And all the profanities that will emerge from his pie hole right. when he sees that they all decided, because they're one of the 19 teams. 
They're all gone. There, your team's not here. John, you're already upset you don't have access to them from January to April. April's here. You can have access to them, and they ain't here. The only way you have access to them is through your laptop. Guys don't want to work anymore. I don't even know what they love football. I mean, geez, what year are we in? That's something like that is what he'd say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing on workout bonuses, and then we'll take our break. I've, I've been promising it for three minutes, but – I could see more teams using the workout bonuses on a widespread basis going forward to nip this problem Definitely. in the bud. Because the four teams that have heavy workout bonuses, Jaguars, Chiefs, Bills, Packers, they're not even getting squeezed by the union to have right. the guys stay away. So right. it's time to negotiate these contracts. And that's the way the agents can solve this problem too. Well, you know, the team said this is what it's got to be. It's got to be $500,000 workout bonus. That's They don't want to put it in salary. They don't want to put it in a roster bonus. It's got to be a workout bonus. What can I tell you? Yeah. And then that's that. And it's resolved then. And that way, then everybody's hands are tied. They're going to have to show up to get their money. All right, let's take a break. When we return, AFC East draft needs on this Monday edition of PFT Live. Around any corner... Within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are the odds from points bet favorites in the AFC East. Buffalo Bills minus 160. Then the Miami Dolphins plus 325 ahead of the Patriots at plus 375. Oh, Jets. The Jets are falling from plus 1600 to plus 2000. What would have happened to make the Jets fall so far? I don't get it. I don't get it either. I don't know. Well, I they've, guess they've the other teams some in the division in free are good. agency. They got Zach Wilson ready yeah, to go. And, right. But you're right. I mean, I'm surprised the Patriots aren't higher after everything they've done in the offseason. I'm surprised they didn't jump the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I am too. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, looking like a strong division. It really is. I mean, of course, I know it's on paper, but there's a lot of things like about the division. First off, you look at that and I think you go, wait, there's four, you know, of course, three coaches we look at right now that are going damn good. We'll see with Robert Sala, but I think we both are like intrigued about what he can bring to the table there in the AFC East with the Jets and everything like that, certainly. So, uh, yeah, everything's on the up and up. But, man, the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Bills 
are definitely playoff caliber football teams with no nonsense coaches who seem to be on their game. And I think that's what's going to make for a fun watch this year. May not be the best division top to bottom in football, but it has the it's chance to good. be the most competitive right. because the Bills now have that target on them that they didn't have last year. One of the challenges for them will be to build upon a special season in 2020 with an improved Patriots team, a Dolphins team that's hungry, and who knows what impact Zach Wilson has on the Jets. Let's start with the Jets. They have the second and 23rd overall pick, the 23rd pick, courtesy of the Seahawks as part of the Jamal Adams trade. Ten total picks tied for third most in the draft. The Jets can't leave draft weekend without addressing what, Chris? I think the biggest one for me, Mike, is corner. That's the one place I look at their roster. And not to say, I mean, again, we know at pick number two they're taking Zach Wilson. But you go later down the first round, pick 23, that could be, you know, corner territory when you get into that conversation there. But that's the one thing I look at their roster to go – there, there's nothing there as of right now to make you feel comfortable as a head coach, a defensive coordinator right there to where you think you got a guy that can cover any, you know, top tier type receiver in a big situation, man to man, let alone, even though I know they're going to be a very big zone team, really not even proven commodities that you can trust in that aspect yet either there on that just roster. So that's why I go corner more than any other position. If Caleb Farley slips down oh, to 23, oh, is that one of those where you sprint to the podium? You sprint, you dive, you know, you tackle the guy <laughs> making the announcement, you go, hurry up, speak this out of your mouth now. Like, yeah, and that's, you know, that would be interesting with Caleb Farley with some of the issues he's got. You know, we talked about it last week, the COVID opt-out, two back surgeries, all of that. Will he be on the board there at that time? That would be unbelievable, but... Yeah, I would think somewhere in this first two rounds, the Jets definitely exhaust one of their well, – they have four picks, I believe, right, in the first two rounds. One of them is going to be on a corner. I would I would be shocked if no. I, I think, though, that if you're going to use the second overall pick on a potential franchise quarterback, the guy that would be the first true franchise quarterback since Joe Namath, you got to have some help yeah. around him. Right. And 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 you, you got to help him have the ability – to get the ball to the help that's around him. The offensive line's still not where it needs to nope. be. I know Makai Becton was a great addition right last year, but th that's one guy. One thing we've learned, left tackle isn't the end-all be-all because you got four other spots on the offensive line that could stink. All you need to find is one that becomes the sieve through which the defense pours its way into the backfield. But whether it's offensive line, whether it's – and you don't have to reach. You don't have to go 23rd overall pick on a receiver no. or a running back. No. You, you, but but that that's I, – I just think – remember last year it was all defensive draft for the Panthers? Right. I wouldn't be upset if the Jets went all offensive draft this year. Now, 10 picks, you could get a defensive player from time to time, but they got to go heavy on offense to put weapons around Zach Wilson. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I would think that's going to be a, a big focus. They, they spent a lot of money in free agency on the defensive side of the ball. To where that Mike, to like what you're saying right there, that seems to be the plan of attack. And, you know, they got a lot of flexibility there. End of the first round, early second, those picks there, when you talk about pick 23 and then pick 34, yeah, you could distribute that any way you want. You know, really, you should have a really quality receiver, corner, or offensive lineman on the board at either one of those picks in round two. And really in round three, I think you really still got a chance of getting some quality offensive linemen and a good receiver in that round as well with those two picks. So 
uh, they should be able to bolster their roster. But you're, I'm excited to see their their approach all together, Mike. And I would think that, yes, like let's not make the mistake we've talked about or that they made with Sam Darnold. If you're going to draft a quarterback at two, you know, start start giving them lots of weapons to play with. You know, they did that with Corey Davis, a receiver in free agency. They could add, certainly add some more. Yep, and, and it's that balance between adding receivers and running backs versus adding offensive linemen because you got to protect the franchise quarterback if he indeed becomes one. Miami Dolphins, 6th and 18th picks in round one, two mm. second-round picks, four picks in the top 50. They can't leave draft weekend without addressing what, Chris? I mean, I think it's a wide receiver. I think at some point, you know, and again, I would expect it to be somewhere in the first round with one of those two picks that we see one of the top receivers come off the board to them. Uh, th that to me would be the big thing. Again, we just talked about it. Yeah. You got a young quarterback. You want to make it work. You know, it didn't look great that first year. You want to get people like me who question, you know, Tua and how successful he can be. Start putting some people that are talented around him. So I think that's where I look at, you know, the, the dolphins more than anything and go, no, they need a, a big play playmaking, you know, wide receiver, catch catch guy, whatever. Maybe that's a Kyle Pitts as a pass catcher, but uh, but I would think it's somebody that can make Tua in the pass game more dangerous. I'd like to see them, much like I feel with the Steelers, get a running back. And I know that this isn't yeah. the – the Brian Flores way, because it's not the Patriot way. They you like to have a revolving door of a bunch of running backs, and that makes sense from health concern. It makes sense from financial concern. But sometimes, like when you're trying to boost a young quarterback, if you get a badass tailback who can be on the field every down, who is going to help energize your offense that way, and you you run to set up the pass, it makes it easier for Tua to set up and pass if you have a running back that's going to put defenses on their heels. And there's always guys who come out and make an impact right away. You got to block for them. You got to hope they know how to hold on to the football. You got to trust them with blitz pickups. But if, if you get one of those guys and I'm not saying round one, round two, yeah, you got those sure. two second round picks, wait till round two, get a guy who can come in and really help take the heat off of the passing game. I think that's what they need to do. I, I, I hear you there. There's no doubt, you know, listen, they invested some, some key 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 pieces in the draft last year in the offensive line, you know they they drafted a, a first round left tackle from USC, a first round you know guard slash tackle out of Louisiana Tech. They gave Jesse Davis one of their offensive linemen a little more money, and when at the end of the season or right when the season ended, so they are set up as far as the offensive line to you know be better and better. And I'm with you. And then I think you know to your point, Mike. Yeah. Where they're sitting, I'm just trying to make sure here that I'm seeing this right. Like the Dolphins are what pick 50 in the second round, you know? Yeah, there's going to be a good running back on the board for them to take. But I, I, I'm with you there. That is definitely a need for their football team right now. There's no like guy you look at their their roster right, Mike, where you go, oh wait, that's the guy. They're good. They're good at the running back position. They're definitely not good. They need a difference maker. I'm with you there all the way. All right, New England Patriots have the 15th overall pick. That doesn't happen very often. Here's Coach Bill Belichick from last week meeting with reporters. Do we have the Do we have the uh, Belichick sound? We don't have the Belichick. Okay, we'll get the Belichick sound. The Belichick sound is coming. We will We will fill until the Belichick sound is ready. Happy birthday, by the way, on a belated birth, 
on a belated basis to Bill Belichick. Now we have Bill Belichick from last week talking about the Patriots uncharacteristically drafting in the mid part of round one. I think that it, again, each draft's a little bit different and, and, um, so each year is a little bit different, but all that being said, um, you know, at 15, I think we could eliminate a few players that won't be at 15. Uh, and then you could look at a couple scenarios and say, well, if, you know, these three players are there, which one would we take? If these other three different players are there, which one would you take? You know, you, you go through that exercise and, and, and talk about that. But I would say normally something – now, there's less options at 15 than there are, you know, 28, 30, 31, you know, some other spots that we drafted from. But um, – I would say normally something will happen and, and there could very well be a player there that uh, either you don't expect to be there or maybe he is a couple spots, maybe at 12, 13, he's still on the board and you really thought that he'd be gone in the top six, seven picks. And then that, you know, then the question comes, you know, do you move up and try to get that player that's fallen a little bit? He's given us some clues there. As to Sounds what he's like he's done about. a study on that, uh, how those top 15 picks flush yes. out, huh? Doesn't it sound like that? <laughs> well, the higher you draft, the easier it is to fill out all the possible permutations of how the picks are going to go. Right. And it sounds like if maybe a quarterback sneaks past the top 10 yeah. and into 11, 12, 13 territory, then that's when somebody's going to be getting a phone call, whether it's Joe Judge at number 11 getting a phone call, Judge and Gettleman, the coach and GM respectively with the New York Giants there at number 11, whether it's Howie Roseman at number 12, right. although there's some chatter of the Eagles trying to get back into round one. I just wonder whether that's all just a setup and it's Brian Flores, the Dolphins coach, who gets a call at number six if Lance is still there, Trey Lance is still there, or maybe even a Justin Fields at six. I can't imagine that happening because it's the same division, but remember it was Drew Bledsoe who was traded by Bill Belichick 20 years ago to the Buffalo Bills for a first-round pick, so... I think Belichick is willing to forget about who he's doing business with if there's a move he wants to make, even if it's a rival. If, if that helps him get the guy he wants, he'll go get the guy he wants. The question is, how high would he go and who is the guy he wants? And those are the things we're not going to know until it happens. Yeah, no, you're not. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, Mike, in the fact that I don't think he's going to care about doing business with somebody in the division or anything like that. You know, if he looks at it like, hey, this this is the right price. They're not trying to hold my feet over the fire, and I have this need to move the, the trade up and do that. I don't think he's going to care. He's going to do what he's be best for his own football team as far as that that conversation goes. And, you know, again, that's why I, I, that's why I took Trey Lance with New England before in our last little exercise at the top of the hour. That's, to me, I can envision that happening. You know, Lance being on the board, you know, in the early teens, 10, 11, somewhere in there, and Belichick going, okay, wait, I like this guy. And, you know, if we're going to talk about the position, I think the Patriots need more than any going in this draft. It is quarterback. They got to have some sort of quarterback, whether it's a quarterback of the future, maybe even the backup quarterback as we go forward, because I don't know, you know, where Jared Stidham stands. But either way, I think quarterback has to be addressed within this draft. And I would think the the Patriots are thinking about it at 15 and if not at 15, maybe making a move, you know, in the second round to get up there towards the end of the first or top of the second to make a move to get a quarterback then. 
It's also possible to read his comments where he seems to be hinting very strongly that if one of the quarterbacks slips past 10, he may make a move up. He, he may actually be hoping that all five guys definitely are gone by the time he's on the clock at 15 because he wants to see how far he can take it with Cam Newton. We, we act like Cam Newton's been around forever. He was drafted 10 years ago this month. Yeah. There's still plenty of gas in the tank. And my understanding is Belichick loves Cam Newton, loves everything about Cam Newton, doesn't love the fact that he got COVID last year and it kind of threw the season off the rails, but loves what Cam Newton has done, loves what he can do, loves how he's respected by the teammates. And, and remember, it's that personality we said last year when he signed with the Patriots. It was the perfect personality to walk in the door as the quarterback after Tom Brady walked out. So they may not feel that compulsion to go after one of the top quarterbacks. They it may be, not. like you said, a guy later that they can develop and maybe flip if need be. We saw him flip Ryan sure. Mallett. We saw him flip Jimmy Garoppolo. That's right. You get a Jacoby guy round, Yeah, round three, round four as a guy you develop. But if Cam Newton has this tremendous second act in his 30s with the Patriots, you can you can move on from that guy in a couple years. Yeah, I, I, listen, I don't think they're, they're not going to, like, you know, sell the, the house and the kitchen sink and everything like that just to get a quarterback because they need a quarterback. No, they're never going to be like that. Belichick's not going to overpay for anything. And, you know, I'll, I'll second, you know, what you said. Yeah, anything I've ever gotten from New England is how much they like Cam Newton and respect him and everything – you know, that he brought to the table, like you said. So I don't think they're scared in any way with the fact that he's their quarterback and he could be their quarterback going into this year and that they, they think they could still be successful with him. There's no doubt. Uh, I do expect them to address the quarterback situation at some point during the draft. It's just when, and it's going to be interesting to see who and when they make that move for. I think they definitely need to go corner because next year either Stephon Gilmore or J.C. Jackson won't be there. Possibly both won't be there. Jackson last week signing his one-year tender as a restricted free agent, $3.5 million thereabouts. Free agent unrestricted yeah. next year unless they would use the franchise tag, which they likely won't do. He walks away. They better be ready to plug someone else in. And well, uh, this is an opportunity at some, at some point in this draft to get a guy that they would feel good about putting on the field as a starter in year two. I, I would think that they're they're thinking of that, certainly. I mean, yeah, it's a position they're always looking to replenish or keep, you know, keep it fresh with talented young bodies and everything like that. They're still pretty deep there at that position. There's no doubt, you know, but you're right. They got to worry about J.C. Jackson. Hey, he's he's big time. He plays like he did last year. He's You're going to have to pay him, you know, top top of the market type money for the corner position. And, Mike, just why we're on that, like, no joke, that whole, like, second-round tender stuff and all that, that crap's got to go. You want to talk about a stupid thing, a stupid vehicle that kills NFL players. Like, you want to talk about – that's like – it's collusion. Oh, we're going to sign him as a high tender because we know, wink, wink, there's an unwritten rule where you don't really try to sign those kind of guys from us. We don't it's, – it's BS, the whole second- and third-round tender thing. Like, why? Why wouldn't someone out there this year who really needs a corner not have, like, offered J.C. Jackson money and try to stick it to the Patriots? Oh, you want to sign all these free agents? Oh, try to now pay J.C. Jackson along with that. You know, first off, I wouldn't be playing that game if I was a GM or a coach. I'd be like, no, no, this rule's here. Screw your player. I don't care what you tender to them. We're going to try to steal them. Deal with it. Screw off. And it's BS from the player standpoint. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. It's been bothering me for a while. 
I, I, we talked about this last week on PFTPM, and I wrote about it. J.C. Jackson's camp called every team, and they would have signed any offer sheet they'd gotten that was more than what the Patriots were offering this year, even on a one-year deal, multi-year deal. Make us an offer. No one would do it. And there's that sense out there, not universally, but there is that sense that we don't touch theirs. Yes. They don't touch ours. BS. The second-round tender came along 10 years ago. No player with a second-round tender, restricted free agent, has ever signed an offer sheet with another team. And it makes even more ludicrous the fact that the Rams used a first-round tender on cornerback Darius Williams and paid him an extra million and a half when they didn't have to. Nobody's touching second-round players. They're just not doing it. And if they were ever going to do it, they were going to do it with J.C. Jackson. So that that is a strange development. You're right, that needs to go. But the CBA's around for yeah. another decade. Buffalo Bills, real quickly, because they're stocked. They, they don't have a fourth-round pick this year. They get their first-round pick back. Last year, their first-round pick became Stephon Diggs. What's what's their number one need going into this draft? I, I mean, I, I look at Buffalo, and I, I think it's it's pretty easy for me where I just go, like, edge. They need people to come off the edge. They're just, they're just not enough. You know, Jerry Hughes up there in age. You know, there's no force uh, as far as anybody notable that you worry about. You know, A.J. Epinesa, they drafted him last year in the second round. He's not really a great pass rusher that way. You know, Mario Addison didn't deliver from them in a big way last year. They need something along those lines. They need a guy who can come off the edge and be a one-on-one mismatch nightmare uh, and be that type of football player for their defense. To me, that's something they got to address at some point in the early first rounds. I, I, I hate to be a broken record on this, and I'm a, I'm a firm believer in not having too much emotion, draft capital, and money tied up in one position. But they've got their Jim Kelly. They've got their Andre Reid. They really could use a Thurman Thomas. Yeah. They really yeah. could. You know? Well, that's what they're uh, hoping for Zach Moss, right? They drafted him last year in the second round, and they need him to, to, to you know be a force. You're right. I mean, that's certainly something. They can't. They can't like what what I think you're getting to, Mike. And we had this conversation during the season last year a little bit. Like that, I just you can't. I don't think they can realistically just say, "Are we going to really play that way again?" Where it's just going to be you're going to drop back forty plus times, not even worry about the run game. Remember, like they played Seattle, and Seattle was like, "Remember Pete Carroll's comments after the game? He's like, yeah, they didn't even really care about the run. Like they just threw it every play." Like I think he was, I, I that that to me is not realistic, and I can't imagine McDermott wanting to play that style of football. Like to your point, the run game's got to be more effective this year for Buffalo. Yeah, I agree with you. Now that they know what Josh Allen can do, the question is figuring out how to do it the best possible way and balancing. You got to have balance in that yeah, offense, yeah. or you're not going to be able to get it done when the games get as important as we saw the Bills play, the most meaningful games they've played in in a very, very long time, and they should be back at that level again this year. We're going to take a break. When we return, a lot of talk about a soccer Super League. If the NFL were to have a Super League consisting of eight total teams, who other than the Buccaneers and the Chiefs would join them? That's today's draft. We'll do it next year on PFT Live. and I push myself pretty hard, so I feel uh, I feel pretty good. I don't know if I can go this week, but we'll see how things play out. But it's a, it's a long time between now and uh, you know the beginning of the season. And just be smart about all these uh, different things we have to do and fulfill. But 
Uh, like I said, we all take a lot of pride in being ready to go, and uh, I'm sure we will be. Bold choice with the shirt there, but if Tom Brady's wearing it, it's got to be cool. You know it. The guy that we spoke of last hour, the maniacal approach to competition, the chip on the shoulder, even if it is on the shoulder of a horizontal striped shirt that I think has burned my retinas out. Regardless, Brady at the Bruce Arians event last night, knee injury, knee surgery. He's doing well. He'll be good to go. And let's get to the draft. Super League talk, Chris, in soccer. 12-team Super League, and it's creating a big stir. FIFA's not thrilled about it. So thank you for the Super League chatter because we're going to make an eight-team NFL Super League. First two spots go to the Super Bowl teams, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. We don't need to waste those uh, on, on what we have left. We got three rounds. We got six left. Trivia question for you. Who caught Phil Simms' 10th and final playoff touchdown pass of his career Ooh, well it was against the minnesota vikings in phil sims last playoff victory at a high at a playoff game i was there eat it vikings eat it um i'm gonna say i think he threw a short pass to rodney hampton he broke like 10 tackles we go rodney hampton oh who is it really? oh it's super bowl 21 Phil McConkie, the final touchdown pass of that game, because after Super Bowl 21, there were no further postseason touchdown passes for the big effort, which, wow. which is stunning to me. That is. Well, yeah, 88, they lost the last game of the year, didn't get in. 89, they lost the divisional playoff game. 90 was hurt. Yeah, 93. Wow, I thought he threw a short pass. To, that was a run, I guess. I'm wrong. Wow, so that's pretty good there. Yeah, yeah, the Phil McConkie tip pass. All right. Uh, here we go, and this is not going to be easy. My gosh, I, I I'll start with now. We're getting, again, the Chiefs and Buccaneers already have a spot. NFL Super League. I will start with the Green Bay Packers. Right, you started with oh thy great one because you know he'll be not, allowed in any league. Right, <laughs> but it's not just who they currently have. This is big picture, small picture, cachet, right. current ability, the 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 eight elite teams, but not just a snapshot of today. There's got to be some history in it, and the Packers Packers have both right now. Yeah, they do. They do. They're good right now. They got history, and they got, you know, oh, thy great one in oh, Aaron Rodgers. So that makes sense, no doubt about it. I'm with you there. Um, all right, well, I'm going with the Ravens next. The Ravens, uh, to me, just from a pure roster standpoint, deserve to be in the league. I mean, of course, what they've done the last two years, Lamar Jackson, everything like that, one of the better defenses in football. I mean, they're they're the cream of the crop as far as the NFL is concerned, and they have a quarterback that's in their prime and a lot of other good players that are in their prime. So to me, that was an easy one as far as just like base-level safe pick Ravens in the Super League. Wow. I, I Why are you saying wow? You. you weren't sure? I, like, I thought like you that? were going to go 49ers right out of the gates. Ah, I thought, I thought yeah, you were not going to be able to set there. aside. Questionable the things. Six, <laughs> six Super Bowl championships, nothing questionable about that. They have six or five. They got five. Steelers yeah. and the Patriots have six. I, I'll go Steelers then. Steelers have six. Steelers, always relevant, always contending, always important to the league. You can't have a Super League without the Super Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers, my second pick. This one's going very well for me so far. Yeah, okay, I know. Yeah, you got two teams that are, like, you know, hanging on by a thread. Good job. I mean, yes. you're. I'm going more of, like, I think the 
talent on the field aspect right now, you're going more the nostalgia and like the Packers were thirteen and three. I know the Steelers okay. were eleven and zero. Right? What right. are you talking about? I know. Okay. Well, either way, you don't even think the Steelers are any damn good. We'll see. All right. All right. I'm going to go with the Bills then. I am going with the Bills next. I'm going with the Bills because, again, one, I think they're a good playoff. They're a playoff football team two years in a row, and they got one of the five best players in the sport at quarterback with Josh Allen. He's a superstar. So, yeah, from that aspect, I am going to take the Bills there. Um, you know, there's just too many positives about them, even though they might not have the history, the big name, the big market. They're too damn good right now for them not to be in the Super League. This one is very, very uh -oh, difficult. Oh, where are you going? One team that I seriously considered, seriously considered in this spot was the Dallas Cowboys. But you know what? 25 years without making it to a conference championship game, th th there's a price to be paid there. Remember they got flexed out of a Sunday night game last year? They're not getting in the Super League. Browns, you better Giants. not. As co-commissioner, you better America's not put them team. in our league. No, sorry. They're America's team. Yeah, well, America's right. different right now, all right? So, sorry. This one's a coin flip. This one's a coin flip for me between yeah. the Seahawks and the Saints. I'll take the Saints. Okay, you're going to go with the Saints. All right. I mean, they were both on my list there, too. I, I, I get it. I mean, uh, the Saints, they've been relevant for too long, and – yeah, the roster's still damn good, and it's Sean Payton. I mean, I get that. I get that. I think there's two better options out there right now, right? Like, my last pick, I'm stuck with the Rams and the Saints. I mean, not the Rams and the Saints. The Rams and the Browns, all right? There's a lot of big-time stars on both of these rosters. Of course, you got the L.A. thing, right, with some star power and Stafford and McVay and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but the Browns do have the history thing and are kind of like got some new star Not recent power. history. But yeah, it's, Not it's recent it's, history. It's old, <laughs> old history. It's ancient history and really, really recent history. The rest in between is kind of really average. I'm going to go with the Browns right now. I am. I'm going with the Browns. The Browns ain't wow. the Browns. Yep, with those offensive linemen and the quarterback and the receiver they got, Miles Garrett and Jadeveon Clowney. The Browns ain't the Browns no more. Super League, baby. Uh, wow. Um, you went traditional powers. AFC North. Yeah. Three teams from the AFC North. Look at that. Yeah. Ravens, Steelers, and Browns all in the Super League. Packers, Bills, Saints, the others, and the Chiefs, Bucks get the, get the buy. They get the automatic entry. Uh, the Bengals left out. But at least they got uniforms. They definitely got uniforms. Whoa. They got new uniforms. We'll see what the Bengals' new uniforms look like when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Cincinnati Bengals officially unveiling the uniforms that we saw weeks ago because... They ended up online. Somebody was trying to sell one of the jerseys on eBay. I like it, Chris. I know the helmet. I don't like it. You don't like it. Looks like somebody got drunk and carved up a pumpkin. Other than that, it looks fine. I like what the uniforms look like. I like the uniforms a lot. Yes. I mean, I've always been talking about a new helmet, a new look that way. But just, oh, look at Ocho Cinco. Got, they got him out to sport the new unis. I like that. I really like this look, though. The Joe Burrow, like, all white. I think that is really sharp with the Bengals. And, you know, for the video aspect, I know they're from Cincinnati, but they, I mean, I made, they made me feel like they're from Miami or South Beach with that video there. I don't know what they're doing. 
And if and when the NFL relaxes its one helmet rule, I would expect the Bengals to have a white version of that Definitely. helmet with the black stripes to go with the white on white that Joe Burrow is wearing. You got to get the white tiger, right? I mean, that would be that would be amazing. But I'm I'm uh, I'm a fan of the new look, and I like these. Like this is to me where I'm I'm a fan of what Nike's doing. You know, with these type of uniforms, there's not that much history with Cincinnati and their their winning tradition or anything like that. They make it a little edgier. A little more clean cut and cool looking, a few combinations. I, I I really like that aspect of it, and I think it's a pretty good look for the Bengals. I know it's not very imaginative, but there's just something about that old orange helmet that just had Bengals written out on it. Like he's like, we know yeah. who they are. Yeah, we know who they are. Right. But it's it's Bengals. Every team should just have the name of their of their on the helmet. That 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 would be no, that would be horrible. But it worked for the Bengals because it's better than what they currently have. More uniforms. I don't know who else has new uniforms. I think the Browns have new throwbacks. I think the 49ers have some throwbacks. But unlike last year, Chris, I don't think there's going to be a lot of overhaul, which is good. No, it doesn't seem like it. It's not going to be like last year where we had seven or eight of them. But, okay, we'll do. That's it for today. See you tomorrow. Thanks for your time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.